This is Piragua Podcast, a space cultivated by myself, Guyo Rodriguez, and my kinfolk, CJ Chaparro. We invite you to join our Piragua to explore, learn, and unlearn about topics important to us. This is for the love of Boriquen or Puerto Rico and her beautiful people. Mi gente, thank you for tuning in. de la patria. Estamos cansados de aguantar con paciencia una esclavitud denigrante. Estamos aburridos de la presencia de un despotismo y de todos sus símbolos. Nos da asco la presencia de hombres y mujeres que pretendan asumir autoridad en nuestra patria sin recibir el nombramiento de Puerto Rico. Today we're going to talk about independence and we're going to talk about independence in the context of Pedro Abizu Campos in honor of his birthday. And CJ will give you a little details about the birthday because there's some contention as to his exact birthday. But in commemoration of Don Pedro Abizu Campos, we want to talk about independence and how some of the things that he said back 90 years ago reign true today. So tell me, CJ, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm I'm feeling um, honored to be talking about Don Pedro Vizu Campos only because of how important he's been in my life and uh, and my, my my thoughts and beliefs in, in the future of Puerto Rico. So it's, it's it's an honor to to you know first of all know about his life and to continue to study it um, and now to be able to share it with others who may may not have heard about him. Growing up, we don't learn a lot about history, Puerto Rican history specifically. Pedro Abizu Campos was vilified. Um, he was attacked. He was smeared. He was uh, ridiculed. He was posed as this terrorista. There was always a fear around talking about Pedro Abizu Campos and the independence movement. Yeah, let's talk about his roots. Um, I think you can draw a direct line of of the fear within the Puerto Rican psyche when it comes to independence with the laws that were existed at the time. Um, uh, law 50, 53, uh, La Ley de la Moldaza, that was literally called the gag law uh, because it, it was deemed illegal to you know speak of independence. You couldn't sing La Borinquena. You couldn't, it, it was a felony to hold a Puerto Rican flag. So it's, essentially what this did was uh, instill this deep, deep fear into individuals of ever 
thinking or even having the audacity of, of speaking Puerto Rico in free, sovereign terms. In this case, for Puerto Rico, Washington, D.C. and New York City are where the decisions are made. Puerto Rico is a property of the United States. It belongs to the United States. Pedro Abisu Campos lets the world know that this little island colony is being used as property. Yeah, I mean, doesn't he refer to it as a corporation at one point? Does he use those terms? And it makes sense. I mean, think about how corporations are used, right? We, we, we use corporations as these vehicles or these vessels to extract profits. We, we use them for tax advantages and incentives. And if you look at Puerto Rico's current political status, I mean, that's, that's one of the main benefits of, of maintaining the, the colonial status. Uh, if you look at the people with the, the deep pockets, they are benefiting from Puerto Rico's current political status. And let's, let's just go back to Pedro Albizu Campos coming up. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Pedro Albizu Campos coming up in Ponce and his youth. Yeah, so Pedro Albizu Campos was born in Ponce, um, according to him and his family, uh, June 29th of 1893, uh, which is the, it's the date that's on the marriage certificate, the college application, his army induction documents. But I guess there was a historian or, or autobiographer that came up with a date of September 12th, 1891, subsequent at some point. Um, but for today's purposes, we're going to go with June, the, the June birthday, uh, because, you know, that's that's what he said. And, you know, life wasn't easy for Albizu coming up. He had a lot of misfortunes uh, from the onset. For I, I think and it's interesting because racism is like a common theme throughout his life and, and literally how it starts. Right. His, he's born out of wedlock uh, to a woman named Julia Campos um, and his father doesn't claim him because he comes out dark skinned. So his father doesn't claim him, completely disowns him, and then sadly, by the age of four, his mother passes away, and he has to get adopted by his aunt. From an early early stage, Abisu Campos showed promise of uh, of genius, right? He, he showed signs of, of being a prodigy when it came to, to his schooling. He, he doesn't even start the first grade until he's about 12 years old, but he finishes in just eight, uh, he finishes eight grades in four and a half years. Then he graduates from Ponce High School in two years, not only as the valedictorian, but as the captain of the debate team. And because of this brilliance and, and um, you know, his, his academic um, pedigree, he actually got a, a scholarship to the University of Vermont. And then from there, he gets into Harvard. He becomes the first Puerto Rican admitted to Harvard College in 1913, which is very significant because we got we to gotta put this in the context of the times. This is the very first Puerto Rican you know, a dark-skinned Puerto Rican during a racist time going up into to, to Harvard. And then his education gets interrupted by World War One. Don Pedro Abisu Campos was a World War One veteran. He served in the U.S. Army, which was segregated at that time. He served in the all-black 375th Regiment, and that was between 1914 and 1919. So it's important to understand his worldview as he's living through World War I. In this period, in 1917, Puerto Ricans become citizens. They just so happen to now be drafted into World War I right. at great numbers. Yeah, the, uh, And they have served ever since. Ever since. In every right? major American conference. So Pedro Abisu Campos serves in the first war as U.S. citizens. Uh, 1919, 1920, he goes back to uh, Harvard, Law, Harvard Law, and he's um, very much aware of global affairs. 
he understands that in other parts of the world, there are nations working to be decolonized. Uh, Pedro Abizu Campos was profoundly religious. You know, he was a devout Catholic. And he um, befriended some priests, some Irish priests, that introduced him to Irish republicanism and the struggle for Irish independence. The War of Independence uh, takes place right around that time when he's, he's getting out of the army and going back to Harvard. So he supported Irish independence full full-heartedly, and he compared that struggle uh, for from Ireland trying to find liberation from the British Empire and Puerto Rico trying to find independence within the context of the American Empire. Yes, uh, so much so that he got actively involved in, in fundraising um, in, in his local community up in Massachusetts for the Irish Liberation Movement. And then he even goes on to help them um, draft the, their first constitution for the free state of Ireland. So he was he was acutely aware of what was going on, actively engaging, because I think this was a pivotal time for him as well. He was really starting to, um, I guess, develop those those anti-colonial, you know, uh, liberation ideas. Um, I mean, one can imagine. I, I don't. I wasn't in the guy's head at the time, but I feel like it's, it's it had to have had an impact to see, you know, the Irish struggle. And, and being actively involved in that and naturally only wanting that for your own people. I'm, I'm sure he couldn't wait to go back to Puerto Rico and, and, and share those ideas. And remember, he, he serves in a segregated um, regiment. You know, he directly experiences racism, discrim- discrimination, and xenophobia from North Americans in his time um, in military service as well as education. So he, he sees... Um, this discrimination that he felt as an Afro-Boricua soldier to, to just be a complete betrayal and, 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 and giving him the understanding of why the insular cases, uh, which are still held up today, uh, uh, speak of Puerto Rico as property and speak of Puerto Ricans as foreigners. He felt a fo- a- as a foreigner in this nation that he was serving for. Um, and, and this develops his worldview and understanding that Puerto Rico is its own nation and um, it deserves to be independent because in Puerto Rico, democracy is a farce. You know, this is a colonial uh, relationship and it's taboo to talk about. Um, and that's why. I think there's so much fear mongering um, on the part of Pedro Albizu Campos, who, whether you like him or not, is arguably the most important uh, political and historical figure in Puerto Rican history. Oh, hands down, hands down. He was, in, in my eyes, he was like our Mandela, our Bolivar, or Guevara, you know, because he 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 was the the, the best example of, of what a dignified and virtuous response to colonialism and imperialism looks like and talks like and acts like and and lives like. You know, I mean, and you and it's evident in all of his writings. You hear it in his words how how he he really believed in this and he wanted to to achieve it. And he and he definitely made a lot of sacrifices in his in his, his own personal life. Puerto Rico in in, in his time and today has no control over its economic policy, its healthcare system, 
It's um, international trade. It's foreign policy. It's immigration. It's borders. It's currency. It has no say in any of that. In fact, right now you have a fiscal control board. Right now the governor, whoever is elected, is going to get a letter from this fiscal control board saying this is what you can do and what you can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, this that that's what a colonial relationship is. We we have to talk about independence in a way that that talks about um how new institutions can be formed. And you know it's crazy. We 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 had it for a brief moment. Uh, a lot of people may not realize it, but there was a brief moment in Puerto Rican history where, where Puerto Rico was was independent. We we eventually did um, uh, start to uh, get our autonomy from Spain, you know, through the charters of autonomy that Spain, uh, you know, uh, drafted w- with with us, and that basically allowed us to start building our own infrastructure. There was even Puerto Rico even had its own uh, currency at one point, the Puerto Rican peso. So this this happens, and then all of a sudden, you know, we get the Treaty of Paris of 1898, where you know Puerto Rico is not even you know at the table when people are just carving up islands and saying this one belongs to you, this one belongs to you to end a, a conflict. So this is actually why Pedro Vizu Campos advocated for the nullification of the Treaty of Paris. He almost didn't even recognize it. I mean, how are you giving a whole nation away without a nation being represented at the table, right? And not only that, they already had their independence. We were already going through the separation of, of, the, of, of Spanish colonial rule and, and becoming our own, our own people. Towards the end of the 20s, he goes on a trip to different Latin American countries. He um, sees the struggle for independence firsthand all over uh, Latin America. Once he returns... I believe in 1930, um, he becomes more confrontational and demanding um, and understanding that this is the only path for for Puerto Rico. I think Albizu would be appalled if he was around today and what he's saying. You know, seeing a, 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 a $100 billion debt, seeing schools closing. Like I really imagine what, what, what his response would have been if he were to see how... And, and, and you know what? I don't even think he would have ever gotten to that point. I really feel like... <laughs> well, we, we, we can go back to that time. This is, this is also the time of the Great Depression, mm. right? Um, the, the Great Depression, it, it technically starts in 1929, but you know I think it's earlier, especially in Puerto Rico, if you look at the, the history of it. Puerto Rico was hit so much harder than the United States. Mm-hmm. And there was just a, a, an increase in suicide rates and homicide rates. There was um, violence to property, right? There was just sabotage towards property and, and these sugar plantations, these sugar companies who were exploiting um, the workers by just paying them a shit wage. Now, all of a sudden, um, there's labor strife. In that 1933-1934 time period, Don Pedro plays a pivotal role in an island-wide agricultural strike that ends up raising the wages of the sugarcane workers. Yeah, doubles. Doubles it. And and knowing that, he caused major disruption. You know, if 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 you look at what how the U.S. was using Puerto Rico at the time, they were using it as as this 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 uh, this monocultural um, captive market, right? Where we're just gonna have all this sugar coming out. We're gonna be create like this uh, almost like an assembly line model, and we're just gonna 
pump profits out to, to directly to Wall Street. Um, and if you think about you know a, a labor strike of, of that size that disrupts you know the movement of of flow of, of cash flow of funds for for weeks on end, the the high net worth individuals that are invested in that are going to notice, right? They're going to look at their bottom line and say, "Hey, what the heck is going on?" And Abisu's name is going to keep coming up. Um, and this is, I think, this is where the U.S. really starts to pay attention to who Albizu is and what he's saying and what he believes in, because he, uh, you know, he not only did he bring the people together, but you know, he he caused a massive, massive disruption. Yes, and that that's when you see an, an increase in the surveillance um, and, and the smear campaigns um, over Pedro Albizu Campos. Um, I, I think that him being targeted him being constantly surveilled 24 7 he recognizes that that is tyranny he recognizes that his rhetoric is a threat that he's being vilified for what he's saying he saw the exploitation of these sugar workers just holding puerto rico back that these major Corporations, these plantations that owned damn near all the agricultural land were just using it to soak up people's blood, sweat, and tears to export for dollars that left Puerto Rico as quick as they got in. Pedro Abisu Campos sees this as direct tyranny, Mm -hmm. and it's coming from the world's strongest economic and military power. It just reinforces to him the uh, farce of democracy um, in Puerto Rico. Uh, all power rests with the empire. He understood the limitations um, that that Congress and the congressional power that they have placed on the island. He saw that Puerto Rico needed full independence. It wasn't going to get its issues resolved uh, outside of Puerto Rico, in Washington D.C. or or in New York City, right? And I think this is a time where it changes the dynamics of the U.S. Puerto Rico relationship. It went from one of being where Puerto Rico was just kind of there for the taking, the exploitation, and I think this is a time where the U.S. is starting to feel some resistance, uh, and and they they kind of put that resistance that the face of that resistance is is Pedro Vizu Campos. And wrapping up, CJ, I think that. We, we just want to create a space where we ask questions. And I think today's question is, why is Pedro Abisu Campos so demonized and vilified? Um, why is the independence movement um, always repressed? You know, I just want to say, uh, for me, Pedro Abisu Campos just represents dignity and sacrifice, and he um, really stood up for Puerto Rico and told the world, we exist, and we deserve a right to govern ourselves. Yeah, so for me, uh, I just want to leave people with um, with the understanding to have great thanks for, for Pedro Bisu Campos, his life, his work, his sacrifices. Um, I, I, I think it's a positive sign that uh, although he's not here with us anymore, his his ideas are still alive and well in the youth of Puerto Rico, in, in the people of Puerto Rico, in the in the fabric of the Puerto Rican identity. And 
I, th- I think there's a lot of things happening now that he'd be um, really upset about, but I think at the same time, he was around, there'd be a lot of things that he, he'd be proud of. It's been an honor and a pleasure as always, as CJ. Always. Um, thank you to everyone who's been tuning in. We hope you learned a little bit about Pedro Albizu Campos. Google um, him. Google him. Yeah, like, you know. Pick up like a book. You, you have devices <laughs> and access to technology that uh, wasn't around back then, and, and we can talk about um, this as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're excited to release an episode uh, to our listeners every Saturday. Please um, check us out on social media. Right now, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can look us up at Piraguapod. Um, we are here to explore. We are here to learn. We are here to question. We are here to unlearn. We're also here to have fun. You know, we're here as two brothers just kicking it, talking about things that matter to us and that we feel are important to the world. Uh, we're not experts, but our existence um, is our existence <laughs> is sufficient and resistance. <laughs> and our resistance is um you our know existence. Our, it, 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 it's the default yeah. um so we you know we always have to come and kick the truth to our listeners for sure um you can find us again at Piragua Pod this is Piragua Podcast peace peace and love This is for the love of Borinquen or Puerto Rico and her beautiful people. Ah, uh, damn. Uh, her, <laughs> her beautiful people. people. <laughs> Where'd you get the action, brother? <laughs> <laughs>